Hi, friends, and welcome to The Afterword, a podcast where we meet up to have a deeper conversation about the truths we're studying in the Bellevue Women Bible Study each week. I'm your host, Donna Gaines, and I'm here with my co-host, Dana Street, and our guest, Leslie Hollowell. Today, we concluded our study, The Beginning, His Story in Genesis 1-11, through and what a wonderful time we've had this semester, starting at the very beginning of Scripture and walking through some of the most foundational truths from the author of all creation. This week, we studied the story of the Tower of Babel, and we saw man's attempt to set up his own kingdom and God's response of mercy and judgment. You're listening to The Afterword. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being here. Leslie, we're so grateful you have joined us for this. You know, it's interesting, Dana, it's hard to believe, number one, that we've come to the end of the study. Yes. <laughs> that 11 weeks mm, has gone by fast. It has. But looking at the Tower of Babel and seeing the evil one behind it. Yes. And Nimrod as the descendant of Ham and how really the enemy, the serpent from the garden, has been behind every evil empire throughout history. And I just love the correlation, though, between the perfect garden at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and then it's going to be the perfect city at the end. And just like the Tower of Babel, God took it down. He is going to take down that kingdom of the enemy in the end. It will be destroyed. And what hope there is in that. And Donna, awesome, awesome job this morning as you just shared what the Lord had. Well, I love seeing that from the beginning, God's desire has been to dwell with us, to commune with us. Mm. And we see Him do it by obviously choosing a people to fulfill His Mm. promise in Genesis 3.15 through Abraham, but then also giving the instructions for the tabernacle with Moses so that He could dwell in the midst of His people Mm. without destroying them. And we see it again in the temple, and then we see Christ come. Emmanuel, God with us to dwell tabernacle among us and to show us the Father, to live before us in such a way that we see how we're to live, how the second Adam came and did it right. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And we're to follow his example. And then on the day of Pentecost, how the Holy Spirit was given and literally has now come to indwell us Mm. without consuming us because the blood of Christ that washes all of our sin away and we actually become the righteousness of God in Christ. And then to close with Revelation 21, where I had written Mm. in the margin, the fulfillment of God's desire, because it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And this is the verse. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Mm. And he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Oh, praise him. Absolutely. (laughs) So very grateful. Yes. And all things are made new. Yes, they are. Everything Mm. will be new. Mm. And oh, what victory. What victory there is in that. I was reading Revelation 3 this morning, just where God says, I've given you a name. I've given mm-hmm. you a new name. Right. Just the blessing. There's a new name written down, down in glory. glory. Yes, yes. I love that song. <laughs> I do too. I do too. And I loved our storyline from today. The mm. final act in God's story will be bigger and better than we can imagine. As you said, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor can we begin to conceive. We cannot. What God that has done. Prepared. That's right. Well, I was just reading Revelation 1, 3, where it says, Blessed is he who reads the words of the prophecy 
blessed are those who right. take to heart, you know, what is written for the time is near. And I just think mm-hmm. we're there. I so, do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. so. I do as well. Well, Leslie, we're so excited to have you. I love the roles that God has had for you here at Bellevue. Mm. You are such a gift and a blessing to the body of Christ here. But would you give the listeners a little insight into kind of your background? I will. Thank you. And I'm delighted to be here. I actually came to Bellevue, which is really fun, (laughs) about three months before y'all did. So I came in June of 2005. Prior to that, though, I grew up in a Christian home, and I'm so grateful for that heritage that my parents just laid for us. And my dad just... All through my growing up, every morning before school, we had to memorize one Bible verse and tell him before we went to school. And some mornings it was, okay, girls, did y'all find a short one? You know, and some mornings it was, Dad, I'm late. Jesus wept. I love you. And, but he was so gracious. But I didn't realize what that was doing for me, just putting those scriptures in my heart all those years. Mm-hmm. So that was a beautiful foundation. But in college, you know, you kind of regress away. But I did get involved in a ministry called Campus Outreach, where I learned all about discipleship. Mm -hmm. And that really is where I feel like the Lord had had my heart, but He didn't have my life. And so in college, I began being discipled by a girl by the name of Sherry. And she just poured into me and who is now my best friend, Emily (laughs) and Caroline, and just learned all about not just living for the Lord, but pouring your life into and discipling and what God has called us to do, that we're not just here, you know, just to inhabit the earth that he's given us a purpose. So I fell in love with his word in college. And then I graduated and I had my plan. I was going to get married and have kids and teach school and all those things happen, but not in my timing. (laughs) I did get a job and I taught school, which gave me my summers off. And then the Lord opened up doors for me to begin working with a ministry called Breakaway in the summers. And so I got to counsel high school girls and do a lot of writing for their Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And all of that led to the Lord opening up a door for me to do full-time ministry for a year. And we started a ministry called Beyond the Eye, where we worked with high school. I had Mm -hmm. all these college girls that had worked with me for a few years, and we went and did conferences with high school. I just feel like pouring into this next generation is definitely the calling God has put on my life. And so we did that, and which led to me coming to Memphis for a wedding and ended up teaching a class here at Bellevue. And then a few months later, they started calling. I was like, no, that church is too big. Lord, I said no for a year. Phil Newberry was so gracious to keep calling and saying, well, will you come back? Will you?" And so I ended up praying and fasting for a few months. And I knew the Lord was uprooting me from everything I knew and moving me here to Memphis, where I got to go and be Bellevue's first girls ministry right. director. And, you know, I, I laugh because I was like, I came when in the middle of no pastor, like Dr. Rogers has right. stepped down and y'all had not come. And I was like, what if they don't want a girls minister? What if I have just quit my job? But then you had three teenage girls, so I felt <laughs> safe. <perfect. laughs> anyway, but yes, that has just been a joy to get to. I want to back up though, because I came at 35 single and I was like, okay, Lord, if you're going to move me to Memphis, can my husband please be there? <laughs> um, and, and you know, for a year, I kind of was like, well, I haven't had one date, Lord. What are you doing during that? sadness and singleness and trying to figure out there was a whole year of just me learning to just submit to him because I didn't know anybody, you know, back home, I had the safety of knowing Mm. everybody moving to Memphis. I really knew no one. And so I would come and do my job and do things with girls and then go home and go, Lord, it's just me, you know, but I will say that in 2006, (laughs) at the end of the year, I met my husband and we dated for 13 months and we're 
married, and he's just been that faithful, godly man that God had promised. But, you know, waiting on his timing was not the path I would have taken. But looking back, I wouldn't change it. So it wasn't what I would have chose, but now it's not something I wouldn't change because of what he taught me in those lonely, sad days of just needing him. So Well, and finding him sufficient. I think that's the beauty of the hard place is that the Lord reveals himself during those times in ways we would miss otherwise. But because we're sensitive, we're tuned in, we're pleading with him to speak to us. Yes. He reveals himself. Yeah. I tell girls a lot. You know, a lot of the girls who aren't married yet, I get to talk with them or take them to dinner or whatever. And, you know, the one thing I've had to always tell them, I said, it's okay to cry with the Lord, but always choose him. And I remember laying in bed telling the Lord, I choose you over going to bars or doing this. I choose you. And I learned his faithfulness during that season. And so... You also learn to wait on him because yes. instead of going out and trying to do it yourself and make something happen yes. and messing it all up, which is what we always do when we try to make things <laughs> so happen, like, you did choose just him. Just ask Sarah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you did choose him and you chose to wait mm. on him. And then you were able to see his good plan mm. worked out in your life and his faithfulness. And not only with Ronnie, but yeah. with a little boy as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. He is our little late in life blessing is what I always call him. And that was another season of just, I guess you could say season of sadness when I was told we would probably never have kids, partly from our age and partly from situations between my husband and I. And yet I was telling you this the other night, how the Lord just one morning at a Bible study at your house, after I'd been told we probably would never have kids that we read Genesis 15 mm-hmm. and it said, And Abraham asked, you know, Lord, who will be my heir since we don't have anybody? And the Lord said, you will have a son coming from your own body. Mm. And I've highlighted and all of that because I know, you know, when the Lord gives you a word and I I called Ronnie and I said, hey, I'm coming home. I need to share something with you. And I was like, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but (laughs) I really feel like the Lord just told me I would have a son coming from my own body. And so we're going to, and so I, I did, I remember putting that verse, but also putting the verse in Luke where it said, blessed is she who believes Mm -hmm. that what the Lord says to her will be accomplished. And so, yes, about three and a half years later, (laughs) through the beauty of embryo adoption, I gave birth to a 10-pound little boy at the age of 42. So again, (laughs) the places you go with the Lord are not the places you probably would have chosen But now looking back, they're not places I would change. So I'm so thankful for the way that he revealed himself to me during those hardest seasons of my life, I guess you could say. Well, Leslie, you've been so faithful to continue to serve. That's one Mm -hmm. of the things I so admire about you is even when you chose to stay home then and to be with Hudson, you're still counseling, you're still discipling, and now in our biblical guidance department. And how long have you been counseling? In our biblical guidance. Ten years in October. Wow. I know. I, oh, you know, so and I don't believe. do very many days a week because I want to be mama first, sure. but it's still my heart and my passion because where else do you get to go in a room for an hour and get to open God's word? Well, you've just been so faithful to mentor young mm-hmm. women, teenage girls, young women, so many of whom now are out doing it themselves, mm-hmm. living uh, for yes. Christ and discipling. And what? Oh, what a rich heritage Mm. (laughs) that you are creating as well as the Lord just flows through you. And I'm so grateful for that. You're so kind. Every season is different. That's one of the things Dana I was saying that I wanted to talk a little about seasons because, you know, there's been some really hard seasons and 
in this 51 year journey with the Lord, everybody, mm-hmm. but it's a journey with the Lord and that's what makes it sweet. So mm. thank you. But you've remained true to what God called you mm-hmm. to do in whatever season it's been, you know what? The season may change, but God doesn't change in his calling on your life. Amen. Has not changed either. And it's been a beautiful thing to just watch you just flow with the Lord. Well, sometimes it's currents and big waves with the Lord. I'm not sure about the flow waves up in there. (laughs) Yeah, the storm on the water. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we're really excited because this next semester in the afterward, Leslie, you're going to be joining us as well as Peggy Williams. And both of you serve in our biblical guidance department and you meet with women and teenage Mm. girls on a regular basis. And so we want to hit some of the topics that all women are dealing with right now. And obviously some of the things we're going to be looking at is how you deal with anxiety and fear and worry and discouragement, depression, seasons of struggle, grief. You know, we were all together Sunday evening Mm -hmm. pouring into some of our young staff women at my house. And one of the things we were discussing was how, especially during the pandemic, this last year and a half or so has been a season of grief and loss. I see it across the board. Yes, yes. How do you see it impacting young women? Honestly, I have dealt with in the last year a lot of younger girls who've grief. And you have to really fix your eyes on Jesus on this. But you also have to feel and walk through the seasons mm-hmm. of grief, you know, and give permission. Like I remember one girl saying, I was just never given permission to cry a lot. Mm-hmm. And I said, girl, you got to cry it out. You got to let that out. We don't want to live there, but we need to visit what we're feeling, you know. And so that's a good and, way to say it. And, visit what you're feeling and <laughs> because you can't suppress it. It eventually no, erupts. No, no. Right. I think you do have um, to process. I heard it said once, I think, from Daystar Ministries. Mm-hmm. They said, our feelings are like children. We can't put them in the trunk and act like they're not there, <laughs> but we can't let them drive us. Exactly. So we have to acknowledge them it's buckled in the back seat. You know? yes. So for me, it's always helping them, like, let's acknowledge it, but don't let them drive you mm-hmm. from my own self, or, you know, but also don't suppress them. So mm-hmm. God gave us those. He gave us every single emotion that we have. What we want to do is navigate them back to truth and not the lies or back to the word, not the world. And so that's the beauty of biblical counseling for me Mm -hmm. is to let them understand all their feelings, but also point them back to the truth about those feelings. And, you know, not all loss is death. No, ma'am. And I think that's one of the things that we have walked through the past couple of years is that there has just been loss of a lot of different things. Yes some losses in relationships, just losses of jobs. And I was talking to my oldest son about it. And he said, I was just saying, you know, it just seems like a lot of loss. He said, you know, mom, we can either view it as loss or we can view it as change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God changes mm-hmm. things in different seasons. As you were saying, we move into different seasons. And what happens in seasons? There's change. So it's how we frame it. And that's having that biblical framework. Yes. Okay, let me see this the way that the Lord is going, the way He sees it. Yes, yes. And to know that He doesn't change. That's what I had like, okay, God, you are here. And I tell girls all the time, I said, grief comes in different packages. You know, it could be the grief of divorce and that loss, the grief of death, jobs, but God hasn't changed in that. So what is he going to do with us in the middle of that? Right. How does he meet us? How is he speaking to us? Yes. Which is once again, that choosing Jesus. Yes. Choose to. And you know, 
And I heard someone say once, had been through a really difficult time, and somebody said, aren't you angry with God? And they said, how can I be angry with the only person who can help me? That's so true. So to run to him instead of away from him. Right. <laughs> right. They're again just choosing Jesus. Mm. You know, we're also going to look at like the dangers of social media. Mm. And oh my. we're seeing an increase in stress, anxiety, and depression among we especially are. teens directly linked to social media. Those are some of the things we're going to need to investigate, talk about next mm-hmm. semester, but then also give parents some ideas of ways. Okay, well, how can we set up some structure mm-hmm. and boundaries that right. will keep everybody healthy? Right. Well, we've got I a think- generation that's living their lives based on how many likes they got. Well, what happens with that is they're becoming addicted to affirmation and approval. Right. Oh, my goodness. Right. That is a recipe for a major disaster brewing because when we're living our lives based upon what somebody else is thinking about us. Right. You know, I mean, that's that's (laughs) a tough time. And that's all this generation knows. Mm. And so to help them and the parents, you know, myself included, you know, even Hudson just has a little Nintendo, but he gets it for three hours a week, you know, because I see what it does to his little mind if he's on there too much. And, and, you know, again, he gets a little extra for traveling or whatever, but I think we have to be aware. God's word tells us so much. Be alert, be aware because the enemy And we as parents have to have that alertness, especially for our kids who don't even know how to be alert. Right. And we Mm -hmm. have to teach them that as believers and followers of Christ, we're not going to fit in to the world. Mm -hmm. We don't have the world's value system. Our values are completely different. And that's okay Mm -hmm. to learn how to be okay with being different Mm -hmm. and sometimes standing alone. Oh, yes. My friend, Allie, she has just taken her kids out of school. And she said, you know, I had to do what was best to disciple my kids right right now. She said, not everybody likes it, but I have to do what's best for my family. And I think that's where we have to view it. We've got to stop getting the approval of everybody else and do what's best for our family. Mm -hmm. And that takes time in the Word and sitting at the feet of Christ and asking Him every year. Parents, I would encourage you, you know, just because you've made a decision one year doesn't mean it's right for every year. Absolutely. And a decision for one child is not the same decision you make for another one. Absolutely. (laughs) But that's it. You know, and you're doing what's best for your family. And that's what somebody told me when Hudson started school, said, you know what, take it one year at a time. Right. You know, because every year might be different. And last year we did homeschool. Mm -hmm. You know, this year he's back. But I think you have to know what's best for your family without Getting the approval well, from everybody else. For those else's who family. don't know Hudson, can you tell them just a little bit about the young man that you're raising? <laughs> <laughs> he is a hard delight. <laughs> He's the brilliant. Lord, the Lord has gifted him with an intelligence that's far beyond mind. So he, as a fourth grader, has made me have to really learn my theology a lot better. (laughs) Well, why did God say that? Well, what is God doing there? I mean, he really is a question asker, you know, and he is a researcher. And so, yes, I'm your pure sanguine and he is just your black and white. He's the most literal kid in the world. So I still remember you sending me a video of him, maybe at three, doing his ABCs backwards. (laughs) I don't think I I could do that as an adult. No. Well, yeah, I sent it to you because we were, I mean, we were walking into church. I was taking him on a Wednesday night, holding his hand. And he just looked up at me and said, can I see my ABCs backwards? And I said, can you? And he just did it. And I was like, wait, what? So, of course, I immediately went in and set him in a chair. and was like, will you do yes. that on video so I can send to Nana? <laughs> but, yeah. Amazing. So 
He just ha- he thinks differently. So I just have to always go, okay, Lord, what are you going to do with that? Right. But with that thinking, you know, deeply doesn't come easy as a mama. So that to me has been one of the hardest and sweetest moments yes. of going, okay, Lord, what do I do there? How do mm-hmm. I dig deeper in your word right. so I can help train him? Because mm-hmm. he's not going to take mundane little answers. You know, Leslie, that's good word for every parent because every child is different and unique. I see that in my grandchildren, you know, yes. 16 grandchildren. They're all so unique and all different and different personalities, temperaments, ways of learning. And so it's a challenge for every parent to know their children. And that's why we pray, though, because the Lord is the one who grants us wisdom and He gives Amen. us insight into how He's created them and wired them so that we can navigate parenthood and do it in a way that honors the Lord. And like you said, give them adequate answers for their questions and to be willing to say, I don't know, buddy, let's get together and dig for that one. Let's you and I see what we can find. What does God's word say? Where else can we find the answers to that? Yes. Yes. I mean, and it's fun. It really has made me want to dig deeper, but we giggle because he's coming into church now as a fourth grader. And I always take him a journal just to write it or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'll think he's not listening. He'll go, what brother Steve mean? I'm like, we'll talk about it when we get home. <laughs> you know, but he, at least I know he's listening. Yes. Absolutely. Well, we are so excited about next semester and so delighted that you're going to be joining us along mm-hmm. with Peggy. And we're going to cover some other things too, like marriage, winning the war in our minds, parenting teens, listening to the next generation, singleness, divorce, widowhood, and what it means to be a biblical woman. Yeah. What uh. is God's design and how do we live that out in our current culture? So I think all these topics will be ones that all of us long to hear about and talk about. So thank you for the training that you and Peggy have both received to be able to take God's Word and apply it to people's lives. What a gift that is. Mm. It is a privilege and a responsibility. So I am honored and thankful that he entrusted us with that. So we're still learning. Never stop learning. That is always my philosophy. (laughs) No, yeah. You stop learning, you stop growing. Yes, yes. (laughs) And we're not to stop that until the day we see the Lord. Amen. For sure. Well, thank you for joining us today, Leslie. And Dana, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Thank you. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Father, it is living and active Mm -hmm. and it's adequate to meet every need, every question we have. So Father, help us to keep our eyes focused on you, to ground our hearts in the truth of your word. Lord, as we look forward to next semester, Lord, as we're going to be looking at Colossians and Philemon and what it means to live in Christ, Mm. Father, how we need that word in this day and time. Lord, your word is so relevant. It is as relevant to us in the 21st century as it was in the first century when it was written. And so, Father, I am so excited about that. And then, Lord, the opportunity to then take what it means to live in Christ Mm -hmm. and then apply it to situations, Father, that we'll be able to discuss in this podcast. So, Father, we surrender every bit of this to you. Mm -hmm. And ask you, Father, just to continue to lead to God, Father, and Lord, we're excited about the future. Mm. Lord, we thank you that our hope is completely in you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The Afterward Podcast is a production of Bellevue Women and Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. For more Bible studies and other resources, visit Bellevue.org women.